Hi everyone and welcome to another podcast on Realtor Talk. I'm here today with one of my friends and ex-colleagues, Mr. Sakinda. Thanks for coming on today. Anytime, Lord. Thank you so much, man. How are you doing? How are you keeping? Yeah, I'm good. Thanks. Good. Thanks. Um, yeah, looking forward to, to lockdown being eased a bit more in the future, but just getting on with business like you are. Yeah. Things, well, things have started picking up, though. Over the past yeah. week, uh, you know, you are seeing uh, some transactions, whether it's a pipeline transaction from February, March, or if it's a fresh piece of business, whether it's a rental or a sale. I, I feel uh, things have started moving because people will always need to rent or sell their property respective of the time. Exactly. So, people, I mean, I, yeah. People need somewhere to live at the end of the day. They need Absolutely. a roof over Absolutely. their head. Um, just for anyone who's listening or watching, why don't you introduce yourself, explain who you yeah. are and, and how you got into, into real estate? Uh, well, uh, my name is Sikhanda Aziz. Uh, I am uh, part of the Eon Crystal Real Estate family. I have been since uh, 2017. Uh, I started investing in real estate back in 2006. And funny enough, the real estate that I work with right now is the ones that sold me my first property. Uh, it was funny. Uh, you also had a small stint with us, Lloyd, back in the day, and now you've moved on. But yeah, I've always been involved with real estate, hospitality, or construction. So it's always been in the same sphere for me. Uh, from 2006 and when I came back from university all the way to date. So that's it. So yeah, you've been living this, living this life for a long time then. Well, you, you, said oh, you, yes. you said you were working in like hospitality and construction before. How have you like transferred that experience into working as, as more of a broker role? Yeah, uh, to be very honest with you, uh, I was handpicked by a, a billion dollar family back in the day. They owned the major chunk of hotels uh, within Pakistan. They had stints all over Africa and the US. And he... Uh, transform me from a broker into a hotel operator, as I would call it, because I started by selling hotel space and it came naturally because when you're renting or selling an apartment and fresh out of university, I was thrown in as a leasing manager at a friend's firm. So there was a lot of information to be processed, but I had a team back then. Then I became an individual who was working as a part of a team, but I wasn't selling real estate i was selling hotel space uh the only thing that uh translated for me uh to make things simpler was that because i was able to sell uh rental or sales space before in different areas in dubai with two developers selling a hotel space per night or per month or six months or per year because hotel spaces are furnished it became natural. And by the end of six months, I became the top performer because I started selling hotel space to people who wanted not only a monthly or a six month contract. I started uh, heading 12 contracts for one year for particular rooms in the hotel. So yes, I got noticed by management and uh, that's how I rose the ranks. Okay, so that's how you got into it. And, and obviously you've been in the industry a long time. What, what's your favorite part about working in, in this industry? To be very honest with you, uh, one thing I keep telling myself every day, which keeps me going, uh, every day is a new day. 
because you never know when you're going to meet which client or when you're going to get into a new opportunity because uh, real estate allows you to mingle with uh, people from all walks of life. But having said that, you never know when you're going to walk into which particular scenario and being in real estate, you have to be on the heartbeat of the market. You have to be on your toes at all times. You have to be well-informed. Uh, this translates uh, a broker into having a lot more engaging conversations with individuals, as you likely know yourself. Yeah, definitely. Well, you meet different kinds of people, all different works, walks of life. And I think that's more amplified here in Dubai. Because yeah. if I think you're working in a different city, then you know, you'll, you'll be meeting the same nationalities or the same types of people. Of course. Here in Dubai, you, you meet all different nationalities, places that you've never visited. So you get to, to engage with them and learn a lot more about the world and be able to share that with other people as well. Well, absolutely. I mean, just like any other melting pot, I mean, we couldn't have imagined this uh, 15, 20 years ago, uh, calling Dubai a melting pot. Because I remember uh, family and friends in the US, in the UK, uh, all over Europe, uh, us telling them, I come from Dubai. And they're like, what's Dubai? And yeah. then as you slowly see over the past two decades or even over the past two years, you'll have multiple people keep coming into this place we called home or my Dubai and they just want to make it a lifestyle and they just want to hang around. So you'll always see this population growth over here. Yeah, definitely. And, and we're seeing it all the time, uh, especially after this, this uh, situation at the moment. I think people are going to realize that Dubai's handled the, the, the pandemic really well when you consider it in comparison to other countries in the world. And they'll see it as a, a safe place with good healthcare, somewhere that people want to relocate and, and raise a family. No, absolutely. I mean, the way the government and the highnesses have handled this situation right now, where uh, I don't know if you're aware with the current stats, but about 20% or just under 20% of the entire UAE population uh, has been tested. And uh, they are going to go with full force and try to finish it within the next 45 days to everyone in the UAE being tested. So, and they're, the, you know, the way they're doing the sanitization works day in and day out. I mean, it, it's, it's for us expats, right? Because we're the ones who make this city churn. Definitely. Yeah. They, they're definitely looking after everyone here in, in the city and the testing is I think per capita, we are one of the highest in, in the world. So that's what's, yes. that's, and that's going to be important going forward as, as the economy in the country tries to reopen to, to the rest of the world as well. Um, oh, absolutely. In, in terms of you're talking about your favorite part about meeting people, what's your, what's your least favorite part? Uh, and be honest. No. Oh. <laughs> least favorite part, uh, as you would uh, write so call it yourself, it's the, it's the weight game. It's the anticipation because uh, if you've gone and done your job, uh, you can't really put a gun to your buyer, seller, your rental, uh, you know, uh, the next person coming in. It's the weight game that kills you because you just have to patiently sit it out. Whether it's a rental deal or it's a multi-million dollar or multi-million dirham deal, you just have to wait it out. Because in this game, what I've learned is you can't push anyone over the edge. I mean, you can advise, you can't push. Because the pushers are the ones who will happen to have one or two deals and they're out of the game. 
So if you want longevity, uh, you have to patiently ride it out. So yes, I would say it's the weight gain. Yeah, definitely. I think it's a it's a fine line between being being too pushy, isn't it? And there's a lot of agents oh, out yes. there who do that. They they you know trying to push and the and the clients don't like it. But yeah, that Absolutely. that kind of feeling is like a that anticipation definitely. But when it does go through, then it is a you know a euphoric, euphoric feeling that you get of, of closing a deal. Oh, hundred percent. I'll give you a small example. Uh, I mean, you we work together. You know my style of work and. Uh, yeah how rowdy and rough I could get. But uh, one, of the, one of the deals uh, that I did about two years ago, it was one of my rental clients uh, who was paying me about 130,000 on the farm. And, uh, you know, I assumed that he wouldn't be up to purchasing anything in the UAE. He's just a rental uh, you know, uh, he's just one of those consumers who's going to stay a couple of years in an apartment building and leave. Uh, I pitched him uh, something in downtown. Next thing I know, he ends up buying just under 15 million dirhams from me. Okay. And three years ago, the payment plans were a lot more rigid than the ones we have right now. So, you know, you, you keep learning. It's, it's evolution on a daily basis uh, with the brokers. So, uh, patient and you got to keep moving and learn. Yeah, for sure. You always have to, there's always something new, a new offer out, a new project coming out. Absolutely. And there's always yeah. something new, new to learn. Um, and you can never Absolutely. like say judge a, judge a client by your initial first impressions of them. I've, I've learned that many times. Yes. Yep, you, know, yep, yep. you can have that kind of stereotype of people or when you first speak to them, but then the ones that maybe you least expect sometimes being the best, the best clients oh, yes. have. Oh, 100%. 100% agreed. Uh, well, you've, you've been around the block, Siki. Do you have, like, what's the most crazy experience that you've had with, with a client when, when making a deal? To be very honest with you, the, uh, I sold a million-dollar apartment over WhatsApp. I mean, I'll be honest with you. The, and I won't lie because that person, that individual has now purchased four more properties for me. But the first time I ever had an experience uh, was selling over WhatsApp and it was literally him asking me, is the apartment available? I'm like, yes, I'm not going to tell him the building is just launched and there's 15 apartments available, but he chose the best apartment in the building. I sent it to him and he responded back in two minutes and he's like, I'll take it. And I was in shock. I'm like, is this one of those rubbish, you know, pods or, you know, bots which you get online that will just buy anything and then you find out. So, yeah, I mean, 30 minutes later, paperwork done. And I was back in my office with uh, all the paperwork done, thinking to myself, what just happened? <laughs> Six months later, he ended up buying from me again. And by the third apartment, he flew down to Dubai from Australia and I was just sitting opposite him and saying, it's, it's a pleasure to meet you finally after a year, but three properties later. So yeah, selling over a WhatsApp in a three minute conversation. Uh, it was one of the crazier deals. Uh, yes, not too big in value, but yes, it, it was strange. 30 minutes, slam bam, you're done. Yeah, that's unusual, but it does, it does happen. Yeah. There's, there's plenty of people. It does happen. Exactly, hundred percent. Oh, yeah, you get. But I mean, yes, it did. Ha sorry, it did happen about three years ago, two and a half years ago. So yeah. 
Yeah, it's not necessarily the most usual thing, but yeah, it can happen. Yeah. Most people are usually asking 101 questions, as you as you probably know. Oh, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely, yeah. Okay, uh, so that's an ex uh, example of when you've had like a, a good deal, a quick transaction, but we've all had like big deals that have fallen through, and you know that waiting game that you've you've talked about earlier. How how do you personally deal with that that disappointment and just keep moving forward? Uh, to be honest, uh, I have learned the hard way. Uh, I was very fortunate um, at about the age of 22, fresh out of uni back in Dubai. Uh, I'd already gotten about six months uh, real estate experience with a bunch of friends of mine who were developers back in the day. And we managed to structure about a 1.1 billion dirham deal which uh, Dubai now knows as the Dubai land roundabout. There was Arjan, Nizan, Nivan. There were three huge plots. And we ended up uh, selling it. Four of us agents grouped together, uh, opened a real estate company, ended up selling that space to an Indian developer. Uh, the payments made to date were about under 400 million dirhams. But us as four young, hungry Thundercats who were all in our early 20s, I mean, 21 to 23 max. Uh, there was a local, there was a Saudi, there was an American and myself. And we structured the perfect deal and we were all going to end up making just over $2.3 million, which is roughly about 8 million dirhams. Uh, deal happened, paperwork happened. Unfortunately, the buyer defaulted. And we only ended up receiving a fraction of our commission. So yes, it was uh, very difficult at that time because about six months of our own savings had been put into setting up this company, uh, making sure the deal goes through, setting up an office, you know, the whole nine yards for this particular com uh, for this particular deal, but it never went through. So we learned apart from that, um, you know, there was a hot time in 2009 where business bay plots were getting snapped up and we had a couple of bad stints uh, even back then. Uh, what I usually do is I, uh, and like you called it, uh, pick yourself and move on. I've always been, uh, you know, in line with the mantra, you got to keep moving. You can't stay still. Uh, you've seen it yourself uh, when we've spent time in the office. You'll never see me sitting in one place. And it's not about a big deal or a small deal. I'm in it for the deal itself. I mean, yes, everyone likes commission, but uh, five out of 10 times I let go of commission just so the deal is done. Yeah. I mean, that, that's just my theory. Yeah, you'd rather get the transaction done than, than have oh, yeah. on, on, on not closing it in the, in the first place. Yeah. yeah. And, and what do you do when you, make, when, you, when you close a deal? Do you tend to reward yourself for the effort you've, you've put in? What would you like to do? Uh, Lord, you know better. I reward myself irrespective all the time. But no, I mean, yes, you know, you know, it, it comes with maturity. Yes, if you were to tell me this, like I told you, I mean, I was in real estate uh, before I moved into the hedge fund and the hospitality group. So yes, 21 to 22-year-old Aziz, yes, I mean, there were times where we literally got our commission and went straight to the airport. Uh, I disappeared for seven days in a row. I disappeared for three days. We actually flew down to Vegas for two days, New York for a day. We've done things like that. But the mature Aziz, 
No, uh, I wouldn't. But uh, yes, I do enjoy the finer things in life. I do travel a lot. Uh, yes, I do reward myself, but it doesn't have to be a deal uh, in order to, for me to reward myself. Okay, so, so yeah, <laughs> I, I understand. I get you. Sick. You yeah. understand what I mean? Yeah, you have to, you have to, uh, you know, enjoy life at the same time as as working hard. I think the best way to do it. Okay, uh, I wanted to ask you also about off plan, and I know you specialize, obviously, working with you before in the company you work for, Ian and Trissel. You you guys focus a lot on the off plan market. Uh, yeah. What do you think is the the popularity is going to be of of the off plan market in the short term with the current situation and with the secondary market? prices at a kind of low point at the moment? Uh, well, to be very honest with you, uh, like you said, uh, I have been more towards uh, off-plan from the get-go. Uh, but being an investor and owning a couple of assets and being involved in the trade in Dubai for the past uh, 12, 13 years, uh, I am a firm believer there will always be room for off-plan because Dubai itself is a growing city and the UAE is a growing country on its own. Uh, if you see year on year, you've seen the growth happen in the UAE, in Dubai in particular, irrespective. Mm -hmm. We always hear stories and rumors and facts that people are leaving, 10,000, 100,000, 1 million people gone, but there will always be that influx of people irrespective coming in because people want to travel to new places. And Dubai has become one of those capital cities around the globe in a very short span of under 50, 60 years, as opposed to competing with other capital cities who have a rich cultural history of over a hundred years. Uh, will off-plan take a dip in the current scenario? Yes, I believe so. People are hesitant. People want to look at more tangible products. Uh, will it completely be wiped out? Never. Because there will always be people who want to invest in real estate and who have been investing in solely real estate. If you look at your five asset classes, gold, currency, stock, I mean, you know better than anyone. They've taken a heavy hit. Uh, irrespective of them bouncing back within six months or 18 months, you would only look at yourself, even if you yourself were to park money today and I told you, would you want to park it in an asset or would you want to park it in something intangible? Where would you put it, Lloyd? No. You'd put it in exactly. you know, tangible asset. Yep. So uh, coming back to uh, whether off-plan versus secondary, I mean, yes, it is a debate, but secondary will work currently only because you've, you've been enveloped by this pandemic and I hope you all get out of it uh, sooner than later. But once the pandemic is lifted, that means your borders have opened. That means you've got an influx of people all over again. Currently, we're only dealing with the couple of million people in the UAE and then a small amount of people in Dubai who are currently trading as well because uh, my office has been fortunate enough to close about six, seven deals in the past two weeks. Uh, which were pipeline sale in off-plan. But as you know, the experts in my office who've been doing rentals. So two days ago, I remember one agent doing four rentals in one day. And he's got a track record. He does about 15 to 20 rentals at an average a month anyways. 
basically he's managing over, I believe, 1500 apartments. So there will always be room for people to move. And if you notice right now, people kept complaining there's going to be a lot of migration. Uh, people are going to move from here to there. There's a lot of price uh, drops. Landlords are going to do this. I firmly believe there hasn't been a price blanket drop at all in Dubai. Yes, if you're going to look at 5% maximum to 8%, yes, this is standard. We are in times of pandemic. Uh, there's uncertainty. But I don't think we're in a real estate crisis or bubble where people should uh, sort of panic. Yeah, definitely. I think people are expecting there to be a lot of what they call distress deals. And uh, yeah. I think everyone has those, those clients who are looking at the moment, but we're just simply not seeing the kind of level of prices going down in the market at all. They're just, they're just not available for what people think will, will be coming onto the market. Uh, I think that's more because the, the prices have been going down in any case for the last five years. So the prices Absolutely. are already well, the, the prices are not overinflated like they might be in other countries, which might be taking more of a hit at this point in time. Yeah. In, in Dubai, the prices are already you know, at the correct value because they've been corrected over the last last five years yeah absolutely i mean let me let me ask you in a nutshell i mean in a place like dubai you're selling a one bedroom on the beachfront let's say starting price is just under 1.4 million dirhams now 1.4 million dirhams translates into about roughly under 350,000 euros where in europe could you get a beachfront property in a capital city for 350,000. It is not happening. I mean, I've seen rundown places in Spain, in Italy. They're asking 700 to uh, a million euros. 700,000 is a lot of money, you know? Yeah. Uh, and over here, there's, of course, newer technology, new construction. Yes, it is kind of man-made, but, uh, you know, they, they've achieved a lot. I mean, if you look at what all they've achieved, downtown dubai marina uh, these products uh, being the center or being the first beachfront property uh, it's not empty it's holding its value yes it had quadrupled its value which was a fake ceiling but if you look at what they were sold at 15 years ago what they're selling at currently it's it's on par yeah, definitely. I think people lose lose uh, sight of that. They always look in the short term. So, you know, if you're if you're looking at oh, what's happened in the last five years, then okay, oh yes, it's gone it's gone down. It's it's been very volatile. But if you're looking long term, which you should be anyway in real estate, then you can see that the property market has trended upwards and it will do over the long term. And also, don't forget if you are using it as an investment, then you're getting the yields that you can get here in Dubai, which are higher than other big cities in the world. So you're actually making a, a large return on your investment in that time period. No, no, absolutely. And, I, and I'll be honest with you. This is one thing I learned over all these years because I invested as a teenager back then for the family and then transitioned into becoming an investor myself. Uh, there are a lot of people who will never want to admit how much money they've made. And when I say that, I mean, there's a gentleman who bought a property in Area X for a million dirhams. He bought it 15 years ago. 10 years ago, that property had become 1.4. Five years ago, the property became 1.65. Currently, the property is at 950,000. 
an optimistic person will say, you know what, I cashed out over the past 15 years, my property is 100% free. Whereas a pessimistic person would say, oh, I lost 50,000 on what I paid. So he's not calculating all the capital he gained over all these years where he could have sold. He's not taking into consideration all the rent he has eaten. He could have potentially had another property by then. Yeah. So it's, it's mixed views of expats in Dubai as well, as well as investors who are big investors as well as small investors. This is one thing which I tackle with at least once a week with people. And this is just a mindset. You, you just can't deal with it because uh, it's the true value and true picture. Like if you look at uh, Emirates Living or the Greens, sold 20 years ago for 700,000 for a one bedroom, selling at about 750, 800 in today's market, 20 years later, those apartments have tripled. When I say tripled, if they were rented from day one, they have gone three folds. So that means that one apartment owner has made three apartments from that one particular apartment, but it's what he does with that money on when he entered and exited. I mean, I myself am an example because I entered Dubai Marina in 2004. I exited in 2007. I made a handsome amount. I entered Dubai Marina again in 2011 and I exited in 2015. I made a handsome amount even back then. So even in today's market, I mean, yes, I won't promise you those returns, but there's always capital appreciation in a decent building, in a location with a reputable developer. Exactly. Yeah. You can get that ROI. And, and if there's any time, I think you, you've, you've purchased that times just before it started to go up when the market was, you know, more yep, at a yep, yep. lower point that this would be a similar time to that as well. If you're looking at how, how prices are, we're, we're getting down to those kind of uh, previous like 2008 levels. So if, if you're looking for a time to buy now is a good time. If you want to take advantage of that, that appreciation. Oh, yes. Sure. Oh, absolutely. Because there's always going to be two kinds of buyers right now. The ones which we always discuss and we've seen, which we're dealing with currently, the ones who are chasing the deal. Because if they're chasing a deal, they can be chasing a deal today, but that same deal, will it be available tomorrow or three months from today? That's one. Then you have those opportunities, optimistic buyers who are like, what if I wait another three months? Maybe what I'm getting for 10 dirhams, I can get for nine dirhams or eight dirhams. So they're motivated, but they just need to be tipped over that, you know, maybe there won't be any change in the status quo. Maybe it's going to be the same, or maybe we just might see an increase or we might not have the apartments available that you desire to own. Exactly. Yeah. It's all about matching up these people to what they're looking for and also what's actually available and and educating them at the same time. You're, 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 you're speaking about, you know, we might not have what you actually want. What, what do you feel about the, the supply in Dubai? Because I think there's, uh, there's always that debate about, oh, there's oversupply in the market and there's not enough, there's not enough demand. Do you, do you think the supply of off-plan units needs to be slowed down uh, to allow the demand to catch up? Or is that very, a very generic way of thinking? No, I, I mean, I'll be honest with you. Uh, I come from a very different thought process. Uh, and again, uh, I tell our viewers that we work together. You know, I am the most optimistic person. You've uh, shadowed me. You've uh, walked with me, seen how things are done. Um, 
yes, there might be certain times where oversupply uh, is a reality. But at the same time, it's also a question mark. Why do I say that? Because when Dubai Marina was being formed back in 2002, and at 1.6 buildings coming into the market, they didn't expect six buildings to be sold in three days. When the Greens was being formed, which was which is now a complex of 40 buildings, and this I'm not taking into consideration the views or the links or panorama, the new towers at the back. 20 buildings came. A couple of months later, 20 new buildings were sold. So 40 buildings were sold in a span of a couple of months. When you look at today's market and the way off-plan has been since 2016, it's been at an all-time high. People have been snapping up not to park their money, but to actually own assets. And I'd say about 45% of those have been end users, whereas 55% have been investors. Currently, we will see a huge inventory in Dubai in the next six months, as you were to call it, because most of the major government as well as private developers will be handing over their products and projects which have been scheduled in 2019 and first quarter 2020. Having said that, those have already been sold to end users or investors. Now, the end users and investors already had a certain uh, target in mind. That's when we come into the migration process as well. I mean, will we see a lot of migration coming from Abu Dhabi to Dubai and going into the other end bridge or vice versa? Uh, I don't feel that uh, it is uh, challenging to say that the oversupply can be managed and will be absorbed because uh, in light of what's happening and in lieu of the current situation, once borders open, I feel that you will see a big influx again in UAE and a lot of people would want to take advantage of the way things are. Whether it's a secondary market or the primary market, people want to make Dubai a second home being one of the safest countries in the world right now. Definitely. And I, I have the same opinion that the, the supply is there and it might be a, a short term effect, like six months to 12 months yeah. where we will have a large supply. But the demand is always it always catches up uh, in, a, yeah. in a city like this. And, and the examples you gave of places like the marina, even places like JLT, downtown, all of these places yeah. at that point in time, people would have thought, why are they building this? There's not enough people for that. Oh, it's absolutely or whatever those same kind of things and then you look five ten years down the line and those places are full and you're wondering where the next part of that is coming and you know, yeah. that's that's what i see i just think as more and more projects come out the the projects that differentiate are going to be much more important than just having a, a blanket approach um to like uh, a, no a, absolutely no you're absolutely correct and right when you said that but uh, the way I see it, uh, coming back to a previous point about uh, oversupply, what I feel is that a lot of master communities have already been launched in the past two years. And within the master communities, we have a lot to offer, whether it's a government developer or it's a private developer, uh, you know, um, a lot of stock has been sold. Yes, developers are holding on to stock and they'll keep repackaging it and sort of, you know, changing the product type a little bit and give it back to the public. And the public has been absorbing it. 
I mean, if there's a building that was supposed to be pure hotel apartments and now it's been sold as furnished apartments on a slightly better payment plan, someone who couldn't afford it back then is now snapping up two units because there's been a price reduction or there's been an elongated payment plan. So they will always, like you said, uh, you repackage it, you make it slightly better, there's always demand. Definitely. And I think, yeah, something I wanted to talk to you about is, is that demand. So obviously we have the, the local market, which is where we're focusing a lot at the moment, considering the current situation. But especially over the last few years, there's been a large number of international investors. Um, I know you do like a lot of road shows and work yeah. in the malls and stuff. What kind of benefit have you found in doing these, these kind of events in, in these foreign countries? Uh, well, I'll be honest with you. Um, we have had our highs and lows. Uh, we have uh, done a lot of roadshows in Europe, in Africa, uh, Russia, Ukraine. Uh, and when I say Africa, I mean we've gone to at least about six different countries in Africa. And yes, we've been successful because when we're going out there, uh, I, I would like to only talk about my company. When we're going out there, we're looking at, uh, you know, making 100 million dirhams. So when you come back with a 10 million dirham sale, uh, when you uh, look at the pros and cons and what you spent and what you got out of it, uh, it's always been positive. Uh, there was only one time where we were a little stuck in uh, Ukraine. Uh, there was a language barrier. We didn't have enough people. And uh, we came back with zero sale, which was very funny because we had spent a lot of money on this particular event. We came back with zero sale, but funny enough, three months later, we ended up selling to three of the people who showed up and 90 people showed up, three were sold. So mm -hmm. if you ask me about break even, I would have broken even with selling half a client. But three months later, three sales, it was good enough. Yeah, definitely. I think I think that's uh, that's the way forward here in Dubai as well for in attracting international clients over to to the property here, because they the, the ROIs that we were talking about before are generally much higher than in in other major cities like say a London or a Singapore. Oh, absolutely, Hong Kong. absolutely. So it's definitely attracting people here, and and the city itself is just getting more and more coverage worldwide. So whereas people yes. might not have known about it before or not thought about traveling here with, with the, you know, the, the routing through something like Emirates and people stopping over and the word of mouth, social media of people talking about Dubai more, I can only see the, yeah. the country growing more and more and more international investors, investors looking to either live here or have a second home. Yep. Well, where, no, where, absolutely right. Where, where do you think are the, are the best countries to target in terms of like international clients? I know you're talking about Africa and Ukraine there, but uh, Chinese is obviously one that people say. Oh, yes. What's your opinion? Uh, I'll be honest with you. Uh, I saw a huge influx of China post-2016. I mean, uh, yes, they've been snapping up uh, the rest of the world for the past decade. I mean, if you look at any of the capital cities, whether it's... Uh, Beijing, Tokyo, London, New York, LA, you have that two to three percent of ultra high net worth individuals who've snapped up blocks and mansions in a, you know, or buildings in a particular area. But when it comes to Dubai, I'd say 
the influx was back in 2016 to date. So even right now, the sales I was talking about that happened, we had a Chinese uh, buyer last week. Yeah. So the Chinese will not necessarily move anywhere because they're buying in strategic locations around the globe. So that'll always be a hot market. Uh, locals and Saudis will always buy, but locals are, of course, uh, you know, uh, homegrown. Uh, what I have seen is when I came uh, earlier point, Africans, Africans, Chinese, a lot of UK ex, expats have been purchasing as well in the past year. Uh, roadshows have been very successful over there. We've uh, opened up an office over there as well uh, just over a year ago. And uh, what we have realized is that uh, I'd put, if you were to tell me to put it uh, top three, I'd put it China, Africa, and then uh, including UK, I'd put parts of Europe. Okay. People want to own a part of Dubai. That's what it is to them. Definitely. Okay, so that, that's great, Siki. I know you're doing a, a kind of top three of your international clients. Kind of transitions yeah. me into a segment that we do on the show. It's a top five um, that I do right. guess on here. And I've, I wanted to ask you, since I know you work uh, more on the off-plan side, for a top yeah. five top five projects, but I've got different categories. So five All categories, right. I want the, the best what you think in each category. Uh, so okay. the first one I wanted to, to ask you, what, what project or building has their best payment plan? Uh, well, I would definitely put it at downtown right now. I would put it potentially at uh, Address Oprah. Uh, I mean, you've got like a almost a six and a half year payment plan because it's five year post handover. Uh, you're getting value for money. Um, it is... Uh, in the vicinity of the opera, you just can't go wrong. It is the city center. It is where all the action happens. You just won't go wrong. And with handovers at 2021 and 2022 beginning, you've got almost a seven-year spread, six and a half, seven-year spread. It's almost having a 10-year mortgage with the bank as opposed to having a six and a half-year payment plan with the developer. I don't think it gets better than that. Okay, that's a that's a good suggestion. Um, yeah, that's for anyone who doesn't know in the Opera District next to the and really close to by close by to the Dubai Mall and the the Burj Khalifa as well as. Oh it? yes, absolutely. Yep, yep, yep. Okay, the next criteria is best location. Where do you think is the best location in your opinion for off plan at the moment? Uh, to be very honest, I would like to stick to a Mar beachfront. The okay. reason why I say that is because. Uh, Dubai has sort of molded itself as a very touristic uh, city. And what people love about Dubai is the sunny beaches. Now, you have two, three products which have been around in Dubai for the past 20 years. Dubai Marina, Palm Jumeirah. They will always hold their value. They have been there. But as you know better than anyone else, uh, because you have been an integral part of this industry now for over a year or so, people want to have something new every day. So when it comes to Dubai, sunny beaches, it has to be a new beachfront project. So I, I would stick to Amar Beachfront because there's about 10 different projects on that particular island 
one better than the other one. 100%. I think that's a, it's a great project. It's going to take a bit of time to come up, but once, once it's yeah. there, it's definitely going to hold its value because it's, it's primarily located. And that's, that's the question yeah. I was going to be asking you right by where the, the cruise terminals are going to be. And there isn't, Absolutely. there aren't so many buildings. It's not like a Dubai Marina where there's you know, hundreds of buildings. There, there aren't that many in that. So once it's done, it's not like they can extend more buildings and exactly. add fly into that area. Those, those are you know, what is available in that area. And it's like a Miami strip for anyone who, who isn't aware of it. That's, that's it. I mean, it's, it's, it's like a ocean, it's like ocean uh, drive in Miami, like you called it. But, you know, people always keep asking, uh, what if they're going to build something in front of me? Or what if they block my view? But that can't happen because the way it's been structured, it's, uh, you've got a diagonal of Palm Jumeirah on your right side. And then you've got the Blue Waters Island on your left side. So the space you have in the middle is going to be a panoramic view. It's going to be one of the best views to have in Dubai. Definitely. And around it is obviously the, the marina that they're going to have there with the cruise terminals. So yep, talking yep. about the tourism, it's, it's perfect in, in terms of that. And for looking at short-term rentals, obviously not right at this moment, but if you're looking to, to maximize your return, it's the ideal place in Dubai for a short-term rental property. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Um, what about for ROI? So I was just talking about short-term rentals. Where do you think is a great place for, for people to get an off-plan property that's going to give them really good ROI or the best ROI? Uh, to be honest with you, um, in, when it comes to ROI and it's off-plan, I'd rather like to stick with uh, fixed return products. And when I say that, there's been a couple of products offered in the market for the past couple of years, which are guaranteed returns. Whether it's a hotel space or whether it's a mixed-use residential building, uh, they sort of have been tingling the appetite of the consumers for the past couple of years. So in this case, I would... Uh, I would say that uh, the mark has been offering a five-year guaranteed return of 8% of one of their products, which is a fully furnished building. So I, I would like to give it to the Radisson in the Mark Hills because it looks like uh, if I'm getting paid 40% of my investment to me over five years, that just means I'm burning my pocket or my capital flows lesser. Definitely, so that would it. be the one. That's a good answer and a good location as well, Demac Hills, in terms oh, of absolutely. the project that's there. Um, yeah. What about for, for an end user? So rather than an investor, if someone's looking for a property to use themselves, what do you think is a good option? Uh, that you caught me off guard there because there's too many of them, to be honest. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, I mean, to be very fair, uh, End users, uh, and me being an end user myself, like you, uh, they, they want the comfort of their home in a sanctum. So I'd be very wrong if I were to just put it on a particular product, because uh, end users, uh, you, you caught me off guard there, but uh, when I look at a villa, uh, end user product could be the new district uh, one villas that are coming up which is the new phase because it's a uh, slightly better priced. I think the space has been used a little better uh, than the older huge district one mansions and the four bedrooms. The prices were ridiculous. They were 
back in the day starting at about 12 and a half then they came down to just under 8 million so the new uh, phase of the district one villas that is what i would say when it comes to independent villas uh, when it comes to end users for apartments uh, i would put them at uh, a couple of buildings mulberry and acacia and dubai hills estate okay nice because idea. it's the right space yeah, situated on the park and they have a uh, good internal space, don't they? Yep, absolutely. And again, I mean, it was very selfish of me to say that, but uh, I should throw La Mer in the mix as well, because again, great low-rise developments, Mac on the beach, beautiful location in Jumeirah. So yes, these two, three developers, I mean, they know exactly what they're doing. They know exactly how to package the right product for the consumer for their needs. Definitely. And well, you've mentioned a few communities there. So you, we were talking about Dubai Hills Estate, District One, yeah. the Mac Hills you mentioned before. Where do you think is the best place or the best overall community in Dubai? Uh, I'll be focusing just on off plan or do we off have... plan. Go for off plan. Off plan. Off plan. To be honest, I'd, I'd want to put it at uh, Dubai Hills Estate. Uh, reason being, location i mean apart from the mr badge being there uh, the mall it's a semi-commercial district there's already schools up and running there's hospitals uh, if you were to talk about a destination or a community best practice community in dubai you'd only look at one thing which was known as emirates living which is greens meadows springs lakes and emirates hills and the montgomery golf course and the new Vida Hills. This particular package would be known as the best community, A, because uh, it's got a good mix of products, uh, it's got a vibrant community, it's got the greenery, it's got the water feature. So packaged properly. Dubai Hills Estate turns out to be Emirates Living, but 10 times better. So it's got everything that Emirates Living had, but they've made it 10 times better and they've made it bigger. So that is why you've seen Dubai Hills Estate sell out really fast over the past three years, whether it was apartments or it was the huge mansions. And your entry point is at about 700,000 dirhams in uh, Dubai Hills Estate for a small one bedroom. Whereas your high ultra network individuals have snapped up places for about 120 million dirhams, which have a built up of about 30,000 square feet. Yeah, in, in Hillsborough. That's the so, great part of Dubai Hills Estate, and I, I probably agree with you in, in terms of the location, just because there's, there's literally something for everyone from like oh, 700,000 up to the, the really huge mansions in, in the golf course. And there's yeah. amenities. You know that they are unrivaled in other areas compared, oh, to, compared to other communities. Okay, Siki, thanks for those those uh, choices in terms of those top five yeah. categories I've given you. Uh, that's all I want to ask you today. If you want to just no, give no, you, you, give anyone listening uh, like your social media handles, what you do, yeah. um, just so they can be aware. No. Uh... To all the people, Lloyd has been a great friend and he's uh, come up uh, very quickly uh, in this market. Uh, I'd, I'd like to tell everyone, I mean, yes, uh, we'll have the social media handles and all that, uh, but you got to keep moving. You, you can't be 
down because the market has come to a standstill. Uh, you know better, Lloyd. Uh, you know, you are a great example. You've never slowed down. You've always tried to do things differently. But in this market, uh, if you're going to sit around and sulk and wait for the market to change, uh, I'm sorry, that's not going to happen. Uh, I've seen this happen twice before in 2008, in 2012, when there was a recession. Unfortunately, we're not in a recession. We're in a weight gain where there's status quo around the globe. It's a global pandemic. So we will come to the correct stature of business uh, as and when no one's Houdini. But what I would like to tell people is to keep moving. There's better opportunities coming our way. Definitely. That's a great message to tell people. And yeah, keep going forward. Otherwise, we're, we're going to get nowhere, basically, as, a, as, yeah. a, as individuals and as a collective in the globe. Okay, anyway, thanks for coming on, Siki. And please check. Anytime, anytime, Lord. No problem. And check out our other episodes of Realtor Talk. Thanks for watching. All right. Thank you. Bye bye.